It's so good. I'm glad to hear Josh do the announcements. You know, it's been a while since I've heard Josh because he held a meeting for us years ago. And uh, I had forgotten that he was like uh, a chip off the old block. Because I've been to gospel meetings where uh, sisters would come up to me and say, could you just slow down a little bit? Well, the way Josh talks... Um, I'm perfectly normal here. <laughs> Everybody's going to say, if we can hear Josh, we can hear anybody, Chuck. So you just preach the way you do. Uh, but so looking forward to the time together this week as we study the Scriptures. Um, so, uh, Josh, am I ready to go? Uh, top one? Top one first. Uh, okay, Houston, we have a problem. Uh, oh, yeah. That's what those arrows are for. Okay. Well, folks, you all know this. Open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25. Now, for the sake of time this morning, we're going to uh, start in verse 24 of chapter 25. And uh, because we all know the story here of uh, the parable of the talents, but we're going to move down to verse 24 where it reads, it says, now he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that you are a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew I reap where I have not sown, and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Therefore you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers at my coming, and would have received uh, back, uh, receive back from my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. Now, what we're going to do this morning is I want us to do a little bit of thinking about the fact that God's people are great thinkers. As I look out into the audience, not only do I see a lot of people with a lot of talent, I see you with a lot of, that, 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 you, that you are great thinkers. And you say, well, Chuck, how do you even know that? You don't even know us. Well, look what we just read. Where in that text did it say, well, at least go put it in the bank? It's not there. What he was being told, what the Lord was, was, was teaching was, you should have thought of that. It's kind of like when you, when you think about the idea of, uh, well, in Luke chapter 17, what you have over here is that you have somebody who comes along and says, well, where, where are the other lepers? Were there not nine other ones? Yeah, but, but you know, you come back and, and you remember, and that's Gord. The Lord can expect you to do things that you're not told. Can you believe that? Now go there and do what I told you not to do. Well, that seems kind of silly. But God has told us to do things that He hasn't told us to do. He expects things. You should have come back and have been thankful, you, you ten that had leprosy, or you nine that had leprosy. But you, again, read that text. It didn't say, listen, when you're cured, come back and thank me. It's not there. And so, what we're going to do the, this morning is we're going to build on that. And we're going to talk about how that God's people, on a positive note, God's people are great thinkers. And so, here we go. First of all, as husbands and wives, we go to passages like 1 Corinthians. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's, let's, let's begin there. Now, a lot of this, of course, is we're going to talk about what God didn't say. Well, if God didn't say anything about them, we just close our Bibles. But well, we have to introduce the point. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, you have 
told to us uh, through the inspired word, but he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. Now, in the midst of what Paul was dealing with here, is another issue at hand, but the point was, Paul's making it that, that husbands actually think about how they might please their wife. You know, I often think about that, you know. I think, uh, well, you know, I'm not the most romantic guy in the world. If a God just would just tell me a passage in here, how to be romantic, I would do it. It's not theirs. Chuck, you better think of that on your own. You better come up with something. You know, it kind of reminds me, turn to Genesis chapter 29. Love this passage. Genesis chapter 29. Now, what you have here is the kind of love that we are to have towards our mate, you know, when you think about um, this. In, in, in chapter 29, let me pick it up in verse 17. It says, Leah's eyes were delicate, but Rachel was beautiful of form and appearance. Now, Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for Rachel, your younger daughter. Your younger daughter. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than I should give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel... And they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Hmm. You know, sometimes wives may ask something of their, their husbands that a seven-minute task seems like seven years. You know, the way you look at things. It's like when I've talked to people. How long have you been married? They can answer that two ways. Twenty years. Great. Or twenty years. You know, like, what, what is your perspective on things? And so what, what are you putting, what kind of effort? Titus chapter 2 and verse 4, how that wives are to love their husbands. You know, we have a member that, that was in uh, Newburgh, uh, both Danny and, and, and um, Josh met him. Uh, but Tony, just, he, he just made life miserable for us husbands because his wife would say to all of us, look what Tony did for me for Valentine's. Look what Tony did for me for our birthday and our anniversary. And we're kind of like going, Tony, you're killing us, man. But the point is, what about you? What about you? My brother called me up one day and said, my wife left me. My physical brother called me up one day and she said, he said, my wife left me. And I said, oh. He goes, I... I should have seen it coming because I had, I had been ignoring her. I had been ignoring her. And so, you and I have been blessed with all kinds of talent. You don't even realize it. But you're a great thinker and you can think about doing the things that God wants you to, de- to be as a husband and as a wife. He wants you to think about those very things. It's easy for us to just say, well, I just buried my talent. You know, I, I married you, didn't I? You know, or, you know, the old joke, you know, I told you I loved you the day I married you. When it changes, I'll let you know. People laugh at something like that. I'm thinking, wait a minute. We have to put forth the effort, and we don't want to just go and bury our talent and just say, you know, uh, here it is. Well, you could have at least put it in the bank. You could have at least done this. You could have at least done that. Have we stopped thinking? But God's people, by the way, God's people, Christians, they're like Noah. You know, God's going to call on somebody to build an ark. Okay, who do we got down there that's a great ark builder? Who's got a reputation of been building the best fleet around? Called him to do something he'd never done before. God has called you. Guess what? I was never a husband before I got married. I wasn't. 
And my wife was never a wife until she got married. So God is calling you not. Now you've got to be a husband. Well, I've never done that before. Well, what am I supposed to do? Uh, think. Think. I'm going to tell you how that you are to love your wife. Ephesians chapter 5. Just like Christ loved the church. I'm going to give you examples of the kind of life, the love you're to have. Like we just read, those seven years seemed like nothing. Because of the love and the compassion they're to have. And I'm going to tell you folks, you have to work at that. You have to think about what you can do. And I need to take that lesson to heart also. Or have I just been one that wants to bury, bury my talent? We have a, we have a member. I mean, I'm going to talk a lot about Newburgh because I'm just new in, in, in St. Louis. But when I went to, to uh, Indianapolis, one of our members said, why don't you stay with my mom and dad? Okay, so I stayed with them. And so I'm sitting around the kitchen table with them, visiting, and the wife is going on and on and on about this co-worker she loves to work with. And I'm thinking, your husband's right there. And she's going, oh, I really like this guy. You know, I just... You know what she said? She said, what I like about him is he always talks about his wife. That's what she liked. So what about you? When people are around you, men... What kind of impression do they get of your of how you feel about your wife? Wives? When you talk about your husband, what kind of impression do they get about how you feel towards them? And I think it's just very important that we as God's people think about the responsibilities that we have in that area. Because we're great thinkers. And I think also about parents. You know, I go over to Ephesians chapter uh, 6, and I, I write a lot about it. I just wrote this week's bulletin on it. This week's bulletin was on... Uh, back home, it's on um, uh, how the, this passage says that we're not to provoke our children to wrath. And so I said, well, how would a parent provoke their children to wrath? I don't want them to. It says uh, in verse 4, And you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And I've got like about ten things there. He says, you want to provoke your child? Punish them for things they didn't do. Punish them for things you're doing. Right? Uh, be inconsistent with your punishment. There's just a long list. There's a way to provoke. But you and I, as God's people, say, okay, now where does it say, what do I have to do for my children before they go to bed? It's not there. It's not there, but you have to think. Our kids grew up with Mrs. Lee's Bible stories, Green Book. I don't know if you've ever seen it, okay? Every night we just read the stories, had Bible questions at the end. I'm not saying you have to do that. My point is, as parents... You need to bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and you have to think about that. I love going. I, I love going to meetings, and I'll be staying with some family, and they'll say, uh, "They'll say, Janie, come here. Tell Mister Chuck the kings of the of Judah and Israel." And they, she'd rhyme them off there, and I'd look at the parents. Great, did she? You know, and the and the point is, there's just a lot there to remember. But um, but the the fact that they they're they're wanting to encourage their kids, they get into the car. How was Bible class today? What did you learn about? Or you talked with your husband and wife, you know, as husbands and wife, you're talking about the Bible class, a sermon and whatever, and the kids are listening, they are observing, they want to imitate you. What do they see? And, and we as parents need to be thinking about the responsibility we have. But I'm going to tell you what's easy to do. It's easy just to bury our talent and say, I'm just not good at that, you know. I'm not good at being a husband or wife, I'm not good at being a parent. Never had a, I never had children before. Guess what? I never had children before when the first one was born. Now what do I do? Where's the instructions? Here. Yeah, but there's no literal instructions. It's general. Can you be a little more specific, Lord? 
Look at you are a great thinker. Think about how you can implement different things. I remember one time these uh, Danny knows Nathan, and and he'll say, yeah. I say, Danny, you think Nathan turned out right? Yeah, seems like a good kid. Yeah, but I remember when he was little, I just dropped him off at his sister's home. Um, older, old, I didn't say old, but older sister in the Lord. And I just said, I'm just, I'm just going to leave Nathan here to visit with you. Get used to visiting older people. It's not like he needed therapy when I picked him up. He's spoiled rotten. But I just wanted him to get into the idea of just visiting and encouraging. And you don't think that older sister appreciated having a young kid visit her? I mean, she spoiled him rotten with cookies and all kinds of stuff. Uh, but my point is, just think of stuff. We, we have that ability as parents to do this, but the, our Lord wants us to use our talents. And it's so easy for us to say, uh, you're, you're just better at it than I am. What? No. No. No, you, you, you can apply those principles and it would just be so easy. I mean, I'm not going to tell Debbie, well, I'm no Tony. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to do that for our relationship. You know, you have to work at things and it's the little things that you do that the Lord wants us to be mindful of. And you know, when we go back to our opening text in Matthew chapter 25, you could have at least put it in the bank and got interest. That wasn't a big thing. The others doubled theirs. But you could have at least done that. And I'm afraid what happens is, is people just give up and they quit. Or they, they minimize their abilities. And I look out in this audience and I see so much talent. I say, Chuck, how do you know that? You don't even know us. Because God sees it. God is not going to demand something from you that you're not capable of doing. God is not going to command you to do something you're not able. That's another point for us. If you want to provoke your child, give them a task that it's impossible for them to do. Joshua and, and, uh, um, Josh and, and Tiffany there. Hey, do you take that refrigerator downstairs? And if you don't, well, come on. We laugh at something like that. But you, you can't give a child something to do that they're not able to achieve. So parents, be mindful of that. And sometimes parents can discourage their children rather than encourage their children in setting the standards so high. Okay, let's move on from there. What else can we do? Well, as students of God's Word, learning the Scriptures. In First Peter chapter 3, now again... There are times when people just have this idea, look, I just want to be told, I don't want to think for myself. Tell me exactly what to do, Josh. Tell me, how, when should I study? What should I read? How should? I? We're not going to tell everybody exactly what they are to do. The specifics. But we will say, and you guys have it posted, I saw it also, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason that the hope that's within you with meekness and fear. How are you going to be able to do that? I can't do that. Josh, you, you, you talk to this guy. Well, okay, we're, we're glad to go and study with somebody, anybody. I get that. We got But you go to Hebrews chapter 5 and, and you read the last three verses of that chapter. You, know, you, you ought to be teachers by now. You ought to be teachers. But you, you, ha- you can't teach what you do not know, so you apply yourself. And you have to put forth the effort and you have to study. And this is what the Lord wants. You know, I stayed with a couple in Paducah, the elder and his wife. Every morning they get up with their cup of coffee and they read the Scriptures around the kitchen table for an hour every morning. Am I telling you you have to do that? I'm not telling you you have to do that. 
But I'm saying, that's what they did. They thought about that. I was in a meeting in Alabama and then some of the men came up to me and said, Chuck, hey, some of us guys get together and we have a Bible study before we go to work. And you, I think we meet at Cracker Barrel, I think they said. Uh, do you want to join us? I said, what time? 6.30. You guys go ahead. I just went to them. <laughs> but, the, but the point is, they want, they, somebody had planned it. They wanted to get together and just, just read some passages and then discuss it before they go off to work. Well, where is that? Did you read that? I didn't read that in the Bible. But there are a lot of different things that you and I can implement in our lives as far as studying the Scriptures. And I tell you what. Have you ever thought about this? I'm sure you have. Turn with me over to the book of Acts along these lines. In Acts chapter 8, you know, we, we read about the, the conversion of the Ethiopian a lot, right? But, you know, what I find interesting here is, it says um, in verse 26, that angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, go down toward the south along the road which goes down from the Jerusalem to Gazer. Gaza, this is desert. So he rose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasures, now get this, and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chair. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. I'm sitting there thinking, you'd already been worshiping. What are you reading for? You already put in your time. I mean, nobody takes their Bible home after church services and opens it up until Wednesday, do they? Or opens it up until next week? Don't they? Don't don't you just go home and and put your Bible so you won't forget it that it's there? You know, because you already put in your time at church services, right? What's this guy doing reading? And he's not even a Christian, and yet he had been worshiping, and yet he was he's wanting to learn more. He's reading. And he was so interested, he says, he even asked the question, what was he talking about here? Himself or some other person? You know, you've you got to love that. And so when you have that desire to learn, guess what? You're going to think of things. You're going to come up and say, Josh, you know what? Um, I can't get out. I had this guy, I was going to use an example of Josh, but I thought I'd let me just use a real one. We had a guy that was on shift work up in Toronto, could never get on a Wednesday night. And he said, Chuck, could you drive up? Can we have a class? Because I work night shift. Can we have a class every Wednesday morning? Of course. We just have our own Bible class together. And so if you came up to Josh and says, look, you know, uh, even additional, you know, Tuesday night, you think Josh would turn you down or some other brethren would turn you down if you wanted just to get together and study a particular subject or a book of the Bible, whatever it might be. But my point is, don't bury your talent. You have to grow. You have to learn, right? You want to study, but you have to make time to study. Where is that? Well, remember what we read in Matthew chapter 25 of what the Lord demands of us and what we can do. Now let's get to this one. Hmm. Whoa. Now I go to Galatians chapter 5. And boy, does it, it list a lot of transgressions here. And it talks about the works of the flesh. You pick it up here in verse 19 of Galatians chapter 5 and it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident which are idolatry, fornication, uncleanness, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, Jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. And we've got all this sin that's around us. And so, God doesn't want us to give in to temptation. We, we pray, deliver us not into, into evil. And, and we want to resist the wiles of the devil. Um, but wait a second. We, we, we want to stay away from sin, so we, 
We need to think about it. Well, what can I implement? Well, uh, for example, uh, hey, can you come and stay with me, Chuck? Yeah, yeah. I'll bring Debbie with me. Never studied with a woman by myself. Had a lady who wanted to do that. She came over to the house and she opened up the door. She goes, oh, Debbie's here. I go, yeah, she's here. You know, it's, a, it's called preventative medicine. You have a problem with envy or jealousy? Sure do, Chuck. Get off Facebook. Why? Well, do you get, are you full of jealousy and envy when you open up and look at other people's lives? Yes. Do you get depressed? Yes. Do you get angry? Yes. Get off Facebook. You know, I was in a Bible class one time. A guy says to me in his home, he goes, there's my worst problem. My worst problem. Right there. He was pointing to his TV. I said, get rid of it. He goes, no way. So, my point is, you want, to, you, you want to resist the wiles of the devil? You want to stay away from sin? Well, you better think about what you can do to prevent that from happening. You know, well, I don't know how this happened with her. Really? It was 2 o'clock in the morning. You know, and you're on dark street. You know, sounds, like a, sounds like a Bible story, right? You know, the... The one who was dressed like a harlot ran up, and you know you read that whole story there uh, about the this, this naive young man going down late at night at street, and, and and a woman comes up and kisses him. You know, there's a there were so many signs here. You could have stopped any time. The dangers were there, and so what I, I'm trying to get us to think about is if you want to stay away from sin and the such like. I I don't have a lot of time for this, but but the such like. Well, where does the Bible say anything about gambling, the use of drugs, dancing, and certain dress wear, and all this kind of stuff? Well, you have to think it through and, 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 and see where it lines up with the works of the flesh or the fruit of the Spirit and, and, and such like. But anyway, folks, I'm afraid what happens is too many people just bury their talent. Well, I, I don't know how it happened. Yeah, I know how it happened. James describes how sin comes about. You gave in to temptation. Right? You should have... You know, flee fornication. Just run away sometimes. Turn it off. Just whatever. Walk away from that situation. And God wants us to be mindful of what we're able to do. I know a lot of this sounds negative, but the positive side is, is brethren do things to prevent themselves from sinning. And, and, and when you implement those things, things are going to be so much better for you. Well, let's talk about this one. Um, preaching the gospel. You know, we have Matthew chapter 28, you have Matthew, uh, Mark 16. Go make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Just go. You ever been in, been in a business meeting? I look, I've been in business meetings. You know, we've had, a, you know, we're doing a, a TV program that's going to start up in St. Louis. We had done that in Evansville for years. Um, live radio program. We just mailed out coupons in people's homes. Um, 10,000 each week. Uh, I'm so excited. I got pumped. We had two responses. Somebody's going, well, yeah, Chuck, but you, you mailed out 10,000. Yeah, well, next month we're going to mail another 10,000 to another part of the city. And then, then next month another 10,000. We're going to keep doing these section sections and going around. You know, it's only 185 bucks, whatever it was. But the point is, we're just trying to provide opportunities for people to enroll in a free home Bible study course or whatever, meet-up studies that, that are out there. You have to think about ways to try to get a Bible study. You know, give up a Friday night and say, hey, to your neighbors, you want to come over on Friday night? We're just going to have Bible study. What are you studying? Um, Acts? 
<laughs> you know, whatever. You, you, but you can just study uh, the Scriptures, but spreading the good news. I loved Acts chapter 8 and verse 4. You know Acts chapter 8 and verse 4. Acts 8 and verse 4 is they were very persecuted Christians, and as they were scattered, they went everywhere preaching the Word. They were under, they were being persecuted. Guys, I'm going to tell you, if I'm going to flee, if I, if Debbie and I have to just up and leave St. Louis, what's my priority? Food, shelter, clothing. <laughs> you know, I've got some priorities here. Well, I'm not saying that they weren't interested in taking care of those things, but they went everywhere preaching the word. They wanted to spread the gospel. And you and I do not need to bury our talent and say, I just don't know how to do that. You know, I've, I've seen older members of the congregation just walk across the hallway and invite an older member into their, her little apartment and had me teach. And have this older person say, well, will you go teach my daughter-in-law out in the country? And we went and did that. And when we went out in the country, a neighbor came over to use her phone because she didn't have a phone and said, what are you doing? We're having a Bible study. Will you have a Bible study with me? And it just went on and on and on. But the point is, you just, you just have to be interested in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when you're, when you're interested in doing that, you'll try anything and everything. And if I get into a business meeting and somebody says, no, I don't think we should do the radio program anymore. I go, well, that's great. Uh, what do you suggest? Oh, nothing. <laughs> that's like a guy in the back seat. You're not turning left, are you? Oh, I'm sorry. You want me to go right? No. You don't want me to go left? No. Well, which way you want me to go? I don't know. So you, you, you got the naysayers out there. But I'm just going to tell you something. Our job is not interested in the results, is it? He said, go on over and preach the gospel. We're just a plant and water. God gives the increase. That's what we told the Corinthian brethren. And so I just spreading and spreading and spreading and spreading. I get excited about it. You and I can think of different ways to do that is my point. We're not going to, we need to respect the authority of the Scriptures, of course, uh, but we need to focus on getting the Word. Last one, and the lesson is yours. I love this. Remember in Acts chapter 9? When I say the name Dorcas, does anything ring a bell with you? Well, let's just go over there to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. In verse 39, it says, And Peter rose and went with them. And when he had come, they brought him into the upper room, and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and the garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them out and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body and said, Tabitha, rise. And she opened her eyes. And when she had saw Peter, she sat up. Well, what's your point, Chuck? Uh, do we all got to make garments for the widows around here? Is that what we got to do? I mean, is Josh going to have widow garment night? I mean, is that the plan here? We all got to get sewing machines? Is that what? It's the... No, the point is, he's not saying. We're saying here was somebody who was thinking of a way to help others. <laughs> I've been at places where a college student comes in and an older member shakes their hand and goes, so good to see you. I hope school's going well. And the, and the kid goes, well, oh, you left a, a gift card, olive card. You know, just little things people do for other people. People go to somebody's home, break their lawn, didn't even know they did it. Just little things that people do for other people, but you're not... Showing it for others. In other words, you're not wanting the pat on the back, but you want to do good to others. We brought it up in class today, didn't we? From Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. We do good to all people, but especially those of the household of faith. Doing good for other people and showing kindness and, 
It's a talent that we all have ability to do, to perform, in small little ways. And I'm thinking even the younger ones. You younger kids here, we've got news for you. Patty looks up to you. Different age groups look up to the next age group, and that age group looks up to the other ones. You know, just everybody's influencing other people. And he says here, and you go, well, Jack, I don't even have any kids. People looking up to you, right? Grandparents, kids aren't here, around here, but you're kind of like uh, surrogate grandparents, kind of like that, you know. But just you're just thinking of ways. You say, well, Chuck, I, I need specifics. You know, give me a book, chapter, and verse. That's what I was raised on. Show me where I'm supposed to take soup over to a sister who just had an operation. Where's that in the Bible? Well, you could have at least put it in the bank. Not the soup, but the point. You could have at least done that and got interest. And for you and I, God's people, that's what I love about them. God's people are just great thinkers. We, you know, I'm sure a lot of you here could give your own personal stories about that very thing. Debbie and I traveling to Kentucky, visiting an elder, and he says, "Give me your keys." Takes my keys and runs off. And I said to his wife, "I said, what's he doing?" Oh, he saw one of your tires was bald, and he's just going to go change it. Really? He goes, "Yeah." Wow. Was in the hospital in in Benton, Illinois. And to this day, I don't know who paid the bill. I'm just telling you, I just don't know. I know somebody paid it. I may have some guesses, but I don't know. But my point is, little things, big things, whatever it might be, you and I have the ability in doing good unto others by not bearing our talent. And so, obviously, you and I have been called to do something that you've never done before. Become a Christian. When I became a Christian, and many of you became Christians, you did something you had never done before. But yet God expected you to obey that gospel. Why? Because you're able to do it. But you have to gladly receive the Word. You have to have that desire I think Josh wanted me to do that when I was completely done. <laughs> uh, please open your psalm books to the Song of Invitation because I want to talk about this idea that, that you have the ability today to become a Christian. And where's the verse that says, get out of the pew, walk forward, and sit down here? I, it's not there. You might be shy that after services you might come up to Josh and say, you know, I've been thinking about it. I want to do it now. Okay. Or can I, can I set up a class? I've got some other questions that have been weighing on my mind. I think I'm ready. I'm not sure I'm ready. Maybe I am ready. Who knows? You just got some doubt. You know, we open up the Scriptures. We can just help you get over that little bit of a hump there. But you have that ability. Seriously, you don't want to bury your talent on that one because you'll miss heaven. And we want to help you become a child of God. So if you're willing to obey the Gospel this morning, willing to confess your faith in Christ, and repent and turn and follow Him, and be immersed in, in water for the remission of your sins. Be baptized into Christ. We're here to help you. And if you're a child of God that's gone wayward, how did that happen? Well, it's obvious. You did bear your talent. You refused to do the things that God expected you to do. But you can come back, and we're here to pray with you and pray for you. If we can help you in any way, let it be known as we stand together and sing the song that was announced.